And in Luke chapter 5, verse 1 through 11, you're going to see a closer picture to what was taught in all the rest of the Gospels. How many are familiar with this scripture? Uh, Come follow me and I will make you a fisher of... Right. All the other Gospels simply say that Jesus walked up, said to Peter and the others, come follow me and I'll make you fishers of men. They dropped their nets and immediately followed him. This is the only Gospel that shows a deeper picture in the interaction in what happened with Peter, John, and James, and Philip. So this is where we get a little deeper dive. You ready? So let's read this, and then we're going to extract the truth. So it was, as the multitude pressed about him to hear the word of God, that he stood by the lake of Genesaret and saw two boats standing by the lake. Talking about Jesus. But the fishermen had gone from them and were washing their nets. And when, uh, then he got into one of the boats, which was Simon's, and uh, asked him to put out a little from the land. He sat down and taught the multitudes from the boat. When he stopped speaking, he said to Simon, launch out into the deep and let down your nets for a catch. But Simon answered and said, master, we have toiled all night and caught nothing. Nevertheless, that's your word. I will let down my net. And when they had done this, they caught a great number of fish that their net was breaking. So they signaled to their partners in the other boat to come and help them. And they came and filled both boats so that they began to sink. When Simon Peter saw this, he fell down at Jesus' knees saying, and I want you to hear this, this is huge. Depart from me, for I am a sinful, I am a flawed. Everybody say flawed. I am a flawed man, O Lord. For he... And all who were with him were astonished at the catch of the fish which they had taken in. And also were James and John, the sons of Zebedee, who were partners with uh, Simon. And Jesus said to Simon, said to Peter, he said, do not be afraid. Turn to your neighbor and say, don't be scared. From now on, I will make you a fisher of men. Lord, we thank you for today, and we thank you for the word. We thank you for what you're going to speak today, and Lord, we receive the good word. It's going to go on good soil. It's going to go in a good heart. We're ready. We're ready. We're ready, God, and we're ready to receive, and all who are ready to receive said a good amen. Amen. Okay, so we're doing like we normally do, and uh, we read the text, and now I want to take the truth, and we're going to start out with Peter, because when you read this story, you have to understand where Peter's coming from. Uh, Peter uh, was just a, a fisherman from Galilee. Galilee was a small little place full of a bunch of ignorant people. And they would refer to Peter and all these other disciples throughout the rest of Scripture as, aren't they just Galileans? Book of Acts. Aren't they just ignorant people? How can they do this? And, and, and he was a fisherman at that. So you ever been to a wharf? On, I, grew, I was born on the East Coast in Maine, and I, I've been around wharfs and harbors and all that kind of stuff. You ever been there? Who has, who's there? Been? Come on, anybody out there? Help me preach. So there's, uh, we, we've been to a wharf. You, you ever smelled it? You ever smell it? Oh, right? You don't ever go like, oh, I love that salty, fresh air, right? No, it's like nasty fish gut smell. And so you're just like, this is horrible. Why does anybody ever live near these kind of places? And so then it's, it's smelly. But this was not just a wharf. This was a fisherman. And before he had all the gear, before they had all the tact and the stuff, it was just guys with up to fish guts in their elbows, and they smelled horrible. You could smell Peter from a mile away, and and he smelled terrible, and this guy was not only ignorant, now he smells, he's a fisherman, and on top of all of that, Peter was of an age 
that rabbis and teachers would have walked through Galilee and they would have passed by Peter, James, and John, and Philip, and Andrew, and they would have looked at them and they would have watched them and they would have asked them questions, see how in, what their IQ level's at, see how much money they come from, see how handsome they are, or their mustache, how amazing it is over there. You have all of these things, right? Where they're check, they scope people out and they would, he would have been rejected by every rabbi because a rabbi's phrase to call in new disciples, to follow them, to be taught by them is a phrase that Jesus said, come follow Come on, church, where are you at? Come follow me. And so come follow me was a simple phrase of a rabbi to say to a new disciple, I have chosen you. I picked you. And Peter was rejected over and over. He was called an ignorant fisherman. He probably didn't have a lot of people who want to get too close to him. He was rejected by teachers and rabbis, and he was feeling a little bit alone. I wonder if anybody can relate to Peter a little bit, where, where people pass us by. But Jesus, man, I love how Jesus shows up on the scene. In the very beginning of his ministry, he decides to go to Galilee. He doesn't go to Jerusalem first. He doesn't go to, hey, where's the richest household? Where's the wealthy people? Where's the Where's Country Club? I need to get over here. Where's Aspen? Where's Pine Canyon? I'm going to find, I want to find somebody of wealth, of stature, who's tall, who's good looking like Landon. I want to find somebody who's like, I mean, amazing, cream of the crop. I want to, Jesus did not do that. And I love it because Jesus wasn't looking for somebody who came with pomp and circumstance and pride and looked like they had it all together and all figured out. He was looking for somebody who didn't have it all figured out so he could make them whole. Someone who is willing to show their flaws, let you smell their flaws, and know that they're not perfect. And Jesus showed up in Galilee to say, I choose you. And God is telling somebody today, I'm picking you. Yes, I know your flaws. I love your flaws. Yes, I know how I, you're amazing, and I can't wait to make you whole. Because it's ignorance to say, I'm not flawed. We are flawed. But He makes us whole, He makes me complete. And so Jesus shows up, and all this crowd is gathering around, and the crowd gathers around. And then Peter, sitting by his boat, done fishing, because their style of fishing, you take the nets and you bring the four corners in, and you use the middle and you cast it out, and you usually do it at night. So now it's daytime, he hadn't caught anything all night, and now they're sitting there and they're mending their nets, and he shows up and he says, hey, Peter, can I use your boat can I, can I preach? Can I use it as a little pulpit? I need to preach to these people. I need to go ahead and speak some truth to them. Peter's like, yeah, sure. You want to know one of the reasons why I think Peter said yes? Because just the chapter before, Jesus shows up to Peter's home, and he heals his mother-in-law. And his mother-in-law was living with Peter, right? So we all know my mother-in-law is streaming right now. And I told her, I said, I'm going to preach about you. Because you know what? A happy mother-in-law is a happy home. I'm for real, because your mama loves you. Your mother-in-law wonders about you. <laughs> and when you do good things, she's, uh, she's affirmed in the right way. When you do the wrong things, she's like, well, you know, I'm always praying for him. I just don't know. But he healed her, and then he shows up at the boat, 
And Peter wasn't just giving them the boat to be a partner. Peter wasn't just giving them. Some, see, sometimes what Peter could have done because of rejection, because of all the, the hurt and the pains in his life of everybody looking down on him and dismissing him and disqualifying him, he could have just said no because a lot of times in our rejection, we just push people further away. And he could have said no to Jesus. He could have pushed Jesus away. Come on, how many have ever experienced a little hurt before? You're a little hesitant the next time because you've been burned before. So you've seen rabbis and teachers come through you know what they do and the last ones used you too and you're not going to be picked again and so before he gets picked he says yes and I think that's a lesson to you and I go ahead and let Jesus use what you have okay God yeah let's okay because he's not just stepping into your boat some of us look at this and we think Jesus is just stepping into Peter's boat but by Peter surrendering what he does have Peter's going to see his needs met and Peter's going to get acceptance. Peter's going to get fulfilled. Peter's going to gain a harvest. Peter's going to, Peter's going to be blessed like never before because it wasn't just Jesus stepping into his boat. It was Peter stepping into Jesus' hands. I taught about this a little bit a while ago, and I taught about the five loaves and the two fish. Before there were five loaves and two fish, there were two boats and four fishermen. And between these four fishermen and these two boats, Peter said, yes, Lord, take what I have. I'm mending my nets. I'm cleaning my nets. These aren't working. I've got to fix this. The one thing, the one good thing I do have, I'll let you use. And what the message for you and I is, God is waiting for you to leverage what you do have to see what you need. Because he's about to see a need met in his life. He's toiled all night. In fact, it's funny because all throughout scripture we read about Peter. How many theologians I got in the house? You read every time he goes fishing, they never caught fish. They were always losing in this fish game. They, and, and this was his job. And I think personally Jesus showed up at daytime to speak a message to them. You do need to quit your day job. You are not good at fishing. I'm going to help you do something greater. But he said, okay, use what I do have. Use my job. Use my home. Use my career. Use my family. Use my marriage. Use me to glorify what you're wanting to do. Because Jesus said, can I use what you have to preach the word of God? And when God, we let God use what we have, we're going to start leveraging and seeing what we need. Because what we need are healed marriages. What we need are restored families. What we need is a revival in Flagstaff and in Phoenix. What we need is to flip our prison system upside down. What we need is to change. Come on, somebody's going to start to pray. God. What we need to do is change our government. What we need to do is have a breakthrough, and we cannot do it as long as we say, no, no, because of where I've been and the pains that I have, I'll not, I won't let you use what I have. But he lets him use what he has, and he gives what he has, and he surrenders it over because in our hands it doesn't look like much. It's just a small boat. It's not very much, but in his hands it's more than enough. And so he surrenders it, and I, I love how we read scripture, and do you ever picture like Jesus you know, like with the paintings and the pictures. A lot of people, when we read about Jesus preaching and teaching, we imagine, I have come to share peace. And we picture this painted Jesus, stoic, stagnant, boring, dead Jesus, standing still when everything he taught was all about flipping over religion for relationship, was all about healing people when he was told not to, was all about touching people who were unclean, was all about calling people who were disqualified, was all about flipping the system upside down. I think Peter, I think Peter was just shaking in that boat every once in a while because Jesus would stand up and start preaching and start walking that boat. And he's like, sit down. You ever been in a canoe when somebody tries to stand up? Like, hey, let's all do this together. Let's, 
Are you sitting down or standing up right now, Jesus? What are we doing? And he starts to rock. I wonder if anybody would let Jesus rock your boat a little bit. Rock your theology a little bit. Rock the way you do church a little bit. Walk the way, rock the way you're used to receiving his word. Oh, Jesus, if you just sit down, the crowd would calm down and you wouldn't have so many people. And we wouldn't feel like we're going to tip over right now. And, and, and we just want to calm Jesus down. And Jesus is saying, shut up, man. I got to preach. And I got to teach. And he's going to shake our boat and rock our boat every once in a while. And he begins to preach and he begins to teach and he begins to speak to the crowds and the masses. And all the while, Peter is bending his nets. He's just bending and he's cleaning. He's listening to Jesus. An hour goes by. He's bending. He's cleaning. Two hours goes by. He's mending. He's cleaning. Pastor Landon preaches all the way till 12 o'clock. He's mending. He's cleaning. And he just keeps going. He keeps going. I, you ever wonder if Peter thought, hey, Jesus, we're just sweating out here in the sun. And we are in the desert, you know, rough. You ready to be done? You ever think that, J J that Peter was waiting on Jesus? When Jesus the whole time, because we don't hear anything about what Jesus taught, but we do know that Jesus was waiting for something to happen because Jesus was waiting on Peter while Peter thought he was waiting on Jesus. Because in the meantime, somebody say in the meantime, in the downtime, in the faith space, in, in those times where you feel like, where is God? What's going on? Nothing's really happening yet. Nothing really has been fulfilled yet. I don't see the blessing yet. I don't see the fulfillment yet. I don't see the answer yet. In your downtime, in your meantime, you ought to be mending some nets, mending relationships, tightening up those things because God can't give you a blessing with holes in your nets. You have to mend relationships. You have to continue to bridge the gap. Somebody say bridge the gap. You got to bridge the gap between the church and the community. You got to help us bridge those gaps and tie those nets and mend those nets and clean those nets. But so many of us, we look at the downtime as a discouraging time. We look at the downtime as a frustrating time. We look at the downtime as an aggravating time. We look at the downtime and we get, we get angry. God, what am I waiting on? What are we waiting on here? I'm sweating out here, God. What are we waiting on? What are, what's going on? Would you just be done teaching? Can we really just see something? And all the while, Jesus is like, okay, you're almost closer. I'll preach on marriage. you got five minutes. Here we go. So he preaches and he just continues to preach and waits on Peter. And then as soon as Peter finishes, he says, okay, now I want you to go out to the deep. As soon as Peter had amended his nets, everything was clean. Everything was prepared. You don't need to pray, God, bless me. You need to say, God, prepare me. God, prepare me for my blessing. God, help me to use my downtime to get ready. Help me get my word. Help me get in prayer. Help me get in the spirit. Help me get in tune with what you're going to do because something is coming. And I need to get ready. And man, somebody needs to have that level of expectancy in here today. That God is going to do something great for you, but you got to prepare first because he's holding back and he's waiting for the blessing. He can't stop. He's just going to continue to talk to you and encourage you. And until you're ready, then he'll bless you. Then he'll bring the harvest in. So then he's saying, get ready, get ready, get ready. Everybody say, get ready. Come on, well, you feel like you're at the potter's house with T.D. Jakes. Get ready, get ready, get ready, get ready. We're going to have God meet us here. But we got to be prepared. So we mend the nets, and he says, go out into the deep. Everybody say the deep. He goes out into the deep, and, and, and the deep can be scary. 
The deep can be something that you're a little bit of afraid of. Like, I've never been this far before. I've never gone in this kind of territory before. I've never done this before. I've never gone to church before. I've never read my Bible like this before. I've never pressed in in the spirit before. I've never really worshiped like this before. And sometimes it can be scary because some of us were taught uh, uh, to swim like I was taught to swim. And we were walked over to the deep end of the pool. And... (laughs) And we had little arm floaties or something, hopefully, on. And then our parents were like, you got it. And then we were just thrown in the pool. And we learned how to swim. Praise God. And we're all here today because we learn. But we, we, we're afraid of the deep. The deep can be dangerous. The deep can also be discouraging because we've been trying to find the deep things of God. Some of you came to this church because you're like, I'm searching for something a little deeper. I'm searching for a little more meat in my word. I'm searching for something, that, that the anointing of God, because everybody's got talent. Lots of people have good preaching. Lots of people have good speakers. Lots of people have good sound. Lots of people have good buildings. But I want to go to a church where there's an anointing. I want to go to a church where there's breakthrough. Because Because more than what is said, it's the spirit in which it is said. Because there is an anointing that breaks the yoke. Somebody begin to praise God. Because we're not here to glorify preaching or worship leaders or musicians. We're here to glorify the anointing of the Most High God. And what he says is go deep. But sometimes we we have trouble going deep because we keep asking all the wrong people for directions to a place that they've never been before. Somebody say, ooh. Right? We, we, you don't need to ask somebody for directions to somewhere they've never been. Some of you are going to uncharted territory. Some of you are going places nobody's ever been, but you, need to, you don't need to speak to somebody. You need to speak to the one who created the deep. You need to speak and listen to the voice who went before you because the Holy Spirit has already gone before you. Somebody say amen because you know what? God has gone before you. I don't need everybody's opinion. I need his opinion. I don't need everybody's voice in my life. God said, go to the deep. I'm going deeper, and I'm going to go a little deeper every day and every opportunity I've got. Because that's what God is calling us to do. Some of us are so used to living on the shore and the shallows, and God is saying, when will you leave the shore of safety? The shore of comfort. Because Jesus didn't call Peter. He healed his mother-in-law at his home with Peter in the house and did not call Peter to ministry. He called him to ministry after he left the shore. Anybody would want to leave a home full of, never mind, I won't go there. <laughs> we, we, like we leave home, it's comfort, it's, it's easy. Okay, I'll go do something new. But will you leave the only thing that provides for you? Would you leave the, would you go further beyond? How, how far are you willing to go? Because then he says, okay, Peter, cast your nets. Everybody say nets. Yes. Cast your nets. And Peter, Peter, oh, Lord. Thank you for letting us learn vicariously through his lessons. Peter starts complaining before he starts obeying. Be wary of that. Before you start complaining about what God asked you to do, try obedience first. If you're wondering if it is God or you, step out in faith. How else would you learn if it's God or you? If everyone got you to never take a step wondering, or if your flesh got to never take a step of faith, simply by wondering, is this God or not, you wouldn't move a day in your life. But we take steps because they're called steps of? They're called steps of? Because I don't know. 
Can I, just, can I just be real with you? Sometimes I don't know if it's God, Landon, or, or my dad, or some pastor in my life, or some friend. I, I don't know. But I, I just take a step of faith. I'm like, oh, oh, that was God. Praise Jesus. Here we go. But I would never know if I didn't just take a step of faith. Don't let people freeze you in disobedience because they, they keep you in your flaws of fears rather than a place of freedom and forgiveness. Even if you take the wrong step, did you know God loves you so much He'll still give you sure footing and help you through it? He'll guide you. He'll direct you. And so Peter, he says, cast out your nets. And Peter complains. And, and, and before Peter, man, he, he gets ready to throw out the net. And I, I think this is why Peter got out of the boat and started to try to walk on water because he learned his lesson here. Because Peter could have been like Jesus calling him out on water and he could have done what we do. It did turn solid. Right? Or it didn't turn to ice. Whatever your mind, on my mind, I always think that the water turned to ice. So it was just easier to click, click. So you're walking on that. I don't know. He did. He did. Some of us, that was. Because Jesus says, throw out your nets. And what does Peter do? He throws out his net. Because of past experiences, he started to allow it to predict his future promises. Because of what he's gone through in the past when Jesus wasn't in his boat, he decided to make the same, he decided to base his decisions off of what was rather than what could be. Now that the anointing is with you, somebody's going to hear me today. Now that the anointing of God is with you, it's time to let go of what didn't work just because it didn't work. Keep going. Don't give up. Throw the nets on the other side. Try it again. Jesus is saying, come on, cast your nets out. But a lot of times Jesus is standing in our boat. He says, throw out your nets. And we're like, Okay, all right. And we throw out our little net. I tried. We need to raise our level of expectation. We need to raise and have a greater level of expectation in our life. Because some of us keep going like this. God says, step out, and we throw a little net. We, we, we stick our toe out to see if the water gets hard enough to stand on. We, we just kind of, we pace it because of what we've been through, we're determining on what we can go to. So we cannot do that. Our past does not determine our future. Your history does not determine your destiny. You cannot allow what was to determine what can be. And so you've got to let go. And Jesus was trying to teach Peter how to release the nets of expectation. Now that's dangerous, especially for people like me. Any dreamers out there? Who are uh, dreamers? Come on, raise your hand if you're a dreamer. Come on, that's what I'm talking about. Look at me right in my baby blues up here. That's dangerous for us. Why? Because if you tell me to dream, shoot, I'm going to dream huge. I'm going to dream big. I'm going to blow my own mind away. And that's way too big. Oh, no, God, God you, you must be talking to small thinkers. You, you must be talking to people who dream small. Not, not big dreamers like me. I dream huge. No, he said, I'm going to go be up beyond your hopes, beyond your expectations, beyond whatever you could think or dream or imagine. I'm going beyond all of you because, listen, your penthouse level of dreaming is God's basement level of opportunity because he has so much more for you. He has so much greater for you. And when you finally get to the penthouse and start dreaming, oh man, that's when God says, you just touched the bottom floor of what I can do. And now I'm going to start working in your life. I know that's good. Somebody needs to praise God at some point in this place. I don't know if it's shock. I don't know if it's wonder. Maybe you're taking notes. But I'm telling you, 
God needs to raise some level of expectation. And he's saying, cast your net. Some of us have been just going, I'll come to church once. Or I'll, I'll pray one time. Or I'll give here. Or, you know what? Maybe I'll try this new position and just see how it goes. When God wants you to raise your level of expectation. Phoenix was incredible. We saw God move in a powerful way. And they literally, we had this little king bedroom. They bumped us up because of we were having a church service because they knew we were coming there to impact the kingdom. They bumped our, our, uh, me and Emily up to for $80, $80 a night to the penthouse suite. We, we had a huge, uh, that's where that whole line came from, penthouse. As you know where I was dreaming. But they bumped us up for $80. They just said, we want to bless you. We want to thank you for being here and having church here. We want to thank you for impacting the kingdom. And this young lady who was on, on the other side of the counter, she began to pray and prophesy over our church and over us and felt the anointing of God. There are a line of people behind me. There are people working. And she's just like, in the name of Jesus. And I was like, oh, man, we're going to have church right here. But I'm telling you. God wants to raise some levels of expectation. And I got to close and I can't go too much farther. But what happens after this is he, he casts his net out and it begins to break. You're going to begin to break, but you will not be broken. God will stretch you, but you won't be broken. God will increase you to a point where you feel like I'm doing so much. And God's going to say, perfect. Get to a place where you feel stretched. Get to a place where you got to call somebody. Hey, will you come and help me? I need some partners. Because all of a sudden he hollered at his brothers. He's like, hey, come on over, guys. We need to haul this in. We need, come on, Ryan, we need to do this together. And they come running over with their boat. And they use all their nets and both their boats and fill both of them up. And the lesson for you and I is this. Who do you have that you can call on? Not call on for somebody who just wants to eat the fish you caught, but somebody who will help catch the fish. Somebody who will help reel the fish in. Somebody who will help pull the harvest in. Somebody who just wants to bless you to bless you. They're not here to take from you. They're not here to get from you. They're simply here to give to you. Some of us have way too many takers in our life that are ready like, oh, just bring the fish over here. And when you got it cleaned and cooked and ready to go, we'll show up for breakfast. No, 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 we don't need that. We need somebody in our life that we could call and say, hey, it's time to come in the harvest. God's blessing me. God's increasing me. I need help. Come on, let's do this together. Let's see God move in our lives together. Let's see God move in our city. Let's see God move in our state. Come on, I need somebody to help me preach at prisons. I need somebody to help preach at Wednesday nights. I need somebody to lead groups. I need somebody to help me because God is bringing in a breakthrough that's stretching us and expanding us just in this house alone. And I need people who we can call that are in earshot because if they're too far away if they're not close enough you'll lose the harvest oh man I gotta close so then he ends with that scripture and he says Peter thank you for admitting your flaws thank you for letting me know you know you're not perfect don't be afraid do you see how it ties in don't let the spirit of fear get on you, Peter. Don't let fear try to tell you you're not good enough. Don't let fear try to tell you you don't know enough, Peter. Don't let fear try to tell you you don't look good enough. You don't make enough. You don't have the right title. You don't, you don't come from the right family. Don't let, don't let fear speak to you, Peter. Come follow me. Turn to your neighbor and say, come follow me. 
one of the greatest statements we're getting called into right now today as I begin to, I'm going to pray for you, is this. Is Jesus is saying to a bunch of flawed people, come follow me. Let's change the world. Come follow me. Let's see God move in a powerful way. Come follow me. Let's do miracles, signs, and wonders. Come follow me and let's change the system. Come follow me and let's flip religion on its back and speak relationship to a bunch of pious people. Come on, let's do this. Come follow me. Come follow me. God is going to do something incredible. Come on, stand to your feet. Stand to your feet. I feel like we need to close while we're on our feet. If you can't feel the energy and passion in this room, you need to check your pulse. Because you know what? The Spirit of God is here, and we didn't come here to play and create a church full of whining, wimpy cowards who don't know how to be powerful, who don't know how to walk in authority, who don't know how to speak with passion, who don't know how to live for God with confidence. We keep going into our workplace, and we keep going around in our circles of influence, and we just don't ever want to bring up the name of Jesus because right now it's a, it's a hot word. It's a trigger word. Come on, man. Somebody needs to get out there and be bold and say, man, in the name of Jesus, I'm going to speak healing in my workplace. I'm going to speak deliverance in my friends. I'm going to speak the name of Jesus because Jesus is love. And when I speak his name, there's power in his name. There's power when I come into agreement with the name of God. And I want our church to be equipped, armed ready to stand up, shoulders back. No, you do not need to know every scripture. You don't have to have a big black Bible. You need to know how Jesus touched your life, and that's the only thing you need to know. And when people say, well, tell me about what God is, you don't say, I don't really know a lot, but what I do know is he touched my life and forgave me of my flaws and set me free, and he healed me, and he put my life back together, and I'm happier. I'm happier with him. I'm whole with him. I go to a church... And I like the people. <laughs> I'm tired of seeing churches full of people who don't even get along with each other. If you don't get along with somebody in here, build a bridge. Come on, somebody say it. And get over it. We got to build a bridge. If you got issues, if you got offenses, if you got something wrong with me, build a bridge. I will fail you. Quit putting me on your stage. This is a platform of which to influence. This is not a stage to perform. And God wants to deliver us from that mentality that somehow my flaws are greater than. No, no, no. Sin is equal. Today in prison or sitting in the chair. We've all fallen short of the glory. And it's only by the grace of God that we're here. It's only by His grace we're still alive, still breathing. Still living, still moving. There's an anointing. Come on, I just want to pray. There's an ministry on somebody right here. I just feel like God's calling somebody to ministry today. Somebody's called to ministry. Somebody's called to discipleship. Come on, I just want you to close your eyes, bow your head. This is a holy moment. This is a reverent moment. If you know how to pray, saints, I want you to begin to pray. Don't act like you don't know how to pray. Don't act like you don't know how to talk to Jesus. Begin to worship. Begin to pray. Begin to thank God. Begin to call in the blessing of heaven. Begin to call in the, the, the preparation from heaven that will prepare you for the blessing that God has for you. Get ready get ready get ready God is going to do a work in you God is going to open up the windows of heaven and pour out a blessing you cannot contain it's going to start to break your nets and sink your boats and God is going to bless you and bless you till you just can't take it anymore and Lord we thank you God that favor is going to fall on us because favor ain't fair 
But when I live in forgiveness, when I live in freedom, I get favor all the time. And Lord, we thank you for favor in our city. We thank you for favor in our state. I thank you right now. Somebody's going to stretch their hand right now and you're going to get favor in your workplace. You're going to have favor in finances. You're going to get favor right now in the name of Jesus. And an exponential blessing is coming your way. God is going to provide for you like never before. Oh, in Jesus' name, breakthrough is coming. Breakthrough is coming. Those nets aren't about to break. My pride's about to break. Those nets aren't about to break to bring in the harvest. My will's about to break so that his will may be done. God's calling me out to the deep, and he's saying, now that we've left the shore, now that you've left your home, now that you've left all that's provided and comforted you, I'm calling you to somewhere greater. I'm calling you to go somewhere you've never been before. Some of you have been praying for God to do something incredible in your life, and today is when it begins. Because you just took your lower level expectation and raised it to his penthouse. And God is saying, okay, now I can work with that. Now I got something I can build on. Lord, in Jesus' name, I thank you for the anointing that's in this house. I thank you for the anointing that's on this word. I thank you for the anointing that rests on each and every one of us. And Lord, we thank you and we receive your word. And everybody who received a good word today, give God some praise and thank him in this place.